Good morning. Merry Christmas. We only get... Merry Christmas. Yeah, I, I thought y'all were probably ashamed of yourselves that first time. I gave you a chance. Open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We only get to have church on Christmas Day about once every, what, seven years? And so what a privilege, privilege it is. Thank you all for coming out. I know that you left food in the oven, perhaps, or trash on the floor, presents in the floor. Uh, and, uh, and I know you left important things, but this is important, most important of all. And uh, I, I appreciate your paying heed to Scripture and to worship today. Hebrews chapter 1 is where we'll be in Scripture. Open up. There's kind of a joke in, in our church office. Uh, whenever somebody calls, and, uh, and again, the secretary is right on the other side of the wall. I can hear everything that happens, and she can hear me as well. Secretary will pick up the phone and say, Woodburn Baptist Church, this is Lori. And, and then uh, other day I heard Lori go, hello, hello, Woodburn Baptist Church, this is, hello. And then she just hung up. Because sometimes it sounds like there's nobody there. But there's this long-running joke in our congregation, Mike. And, and when somebody does that, I still say, I hope you didn't just hang up on Miss Dorothy. I'm talking about Miss Dorothy Martin. And again, a lot of our staff members don't remember her. It just still comes out of my mouth because we used to accidentally hang up on Miss Dorothy, uh, Mike, your mama, and we never meant to do so. If you remember Miss Dorothy Martin, especially in the later years, Miss Dorothy couldn't hear anything. I mean, she couldn't hear anything, thunder, nothing. She couldn't hear, but she would call the church. And we'd say, Woodburn Baptist Church, this is Tim, or Woodburn Baptist Church. And we would just answer the phone. But she couldn't hear us answer the phone. And so she would just sit there. And we'd go, hello, hello. And then we'd hang up on Miss Dorothy. And then Miss Dorothy would call us back and jump on us for hanging up on her. And so even to this day, if you go, hello, hello, and I hang up, I just sort of think, oh, I hope he didn't just hang up on Miss on this, on this Dorothy. It was, a, it was a failure to communicate, and perhaps you've heard of that sort of problem, a simple failure to communicate. We loved Miss Dorothy. We wanted to talk to her. She obviously wanted to talk to us, but somehow, some way, it didn't often happen, or at least not easily and that brings us to Christmas, and that brings us to the scripture, and it brings us to that person's life who often says, God doesn't speak to me. And maybe you've been that person, maybe you are that person, or maybe you've heard others say that. God just doesn't speak to me. God doesn't talk to me. I, I never hear God's voice. Christmas is an epic reminder that God speaks. God is not silent. He's never been silent, and he's not silent now. But it is Christmas that reminds us how God is so desperately longing to speak to us and reveal himself to us. It's Christmas at which God begins to speak most clearly and directly to us. So let's look to the scripture, Hebrews chapter 1. As we today listen for God's voice, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. I ask you to stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. Hebrews is not a letter like a lot of New Testament scriptures. It's actually more like a sermon. It, it, it reads more like a sermon. And the preacher in Hebrews is talking to a group of people who have become absolutely fascinated with angels. Absolutely fascinated with angels. And the first thing the preacher has to do is remind them that the Son of God, Jesus, is greater than angels. And, and this is how he begins to talk about how God speaks. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. 
God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us from our sins, He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels. Just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. Okay, the name God gave Jesus. Listen for it. You ready? For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. Now he's quoting scripture. You are my, say the word, son. You are my son. Today I have become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he brought his firstborn son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, God says he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to the son, God says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. He also says to the Son, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing, but you are always the same. You will live forever. God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Therefore, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. Take your seats. How many of you text? Say hands. Hands. How many of you? How many of you text? So if I were to LOL right now, you would know exactly what I was doing. You you would, you, you would, maybe 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 not. It's amazing how communication technology has absolutely changed. Just not just in my lifetime, but honestly, in, in the last ten years, it's it, it's amazing how we went from from IM and, and email now now to text and, and Facebook. It's it, it's interesting. It also gets kind of awkward because just because we have better technology for communicating, it doesn't make us better communicators. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah, absolutely. Just because we have slicker ways to do it, it doesn't mean we absolutely have much else to say or we know how to say it any better. That's why I think, honestly, there should be rules for texting. I think that there are things that you can say well through a text message or an email. And I think there are things that you should never try to do or say through an email or a text. Help me out. Let's start with things that you can say pretty well through a text message. What up? Yeah. What up? Anybody ever said what up? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. What else can you say pretty well through a text message? What up? What? What's that? 
Meet me at Buckhead. Yeah, it's great for that. I remember once my family, we got so jealous of the McElroy family, Mark and Deanne, because the McElroy family was all lost in Target, which happens, John Mark, stay with your parents, buddy. They were all lost in Target, but they knew how to take out their cell phones and go, where are you? I, I, I'm at the front. I'm over by the, by the big pretzels that they were using text messages to say, this is where I am. Come find me. Where are you? Text messages are great for that. Great for that. What else? On my way. Yeah, if you're a little bit late or on your way home. Yeah, I'm on my way home. Do not text and drive. Yeah. On my way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty good for some things. Not good for other things. What kind of things should you not do on a text? Yeah. Now, y'all know this. Y'all know this. You do not break up. On a text, okay, raise your right hands right here, raise your right hands, yeah, do not do it, that is so lame, everybody, that is so lame, you don't break up with somebody over a text message, why not? What'd you say, Emmett? Yeah, well, everybody sees it sometimes, yeah, 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 what else? It's just heartless. It's just absolutely heartless to take something that important and and to do it by text. That is just absolutely heartless. I would say pretty much any kind of bad news in general, anything that's got emotional content, you don't text that. If it's very, very important, you need to come and look me in the face. If you're going to break up with me or if you're going to fire me, or whatever you must do, if it's bad news, I want you to look me in the face. Now, not only just bad news, sometimes what you're saying is just so important. It's not going to be able to be communicated in 120 characters. You're not going to be able to OMG and LOL your way through this message. Sometimes you just got to go and speak face to face. There's nothing to this day, that takes the place of speaking personally. This is what you need to understand about God. God speaks personally. He speaks personally. Notice what the scripture says. Follow me through a couple of these verses. Verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and many ways to our ancestors. Now, I love that right there. For those people who say, I'm not sure God speaks. I don't ever hear God speak. I don't hear nothing. I think people are crazy. You're hearing voices in your head. I don't believe that. I've never experienced that. I want you to understand that Scripture makes it clear that God has always spoken. He speaks in a lot of ways. He's spoken through many times, many places. He just has a lot of ways of speaking. God has never, ever been silent. God has never left the world, never left his people without a word. God speaks. Long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Now, now notice in verse 1 and 2, there's a sort of before and after. There's a contrast. There's, a, there's something in play here. It's that long ago, but and now. You understand? Long ago, God spoke, but, but and now in these final days. So understand. The preacher in Hebrews is going to compare two different things. The first thing is how God spoke in the past. Long ago, God spoke in many ways and in many places through the prophets. Through the prophets. 
Now, if you've read the Old Testament, if you've read the Bible, you're probably familiar with, with some of the prophets. Prophets like Isaiah, prophets like Jonah, Micah, Obadiah, all of those prophets. These were men who could step out and say, this is what the Lord says. And when they spoke, it, it, was, it was God's words coming out of their mouths. When they said, listen to the word of the Lord, this is what God is saying to you, they had this special kind of authority. They had this special kind of ability to speak for God because God was speaking to them and through them. And so this is the first thing that the author of Hebrews says. Long ago, many times, many places, God spoke to our ancestors in a big way through the prophets. In a big way through the prophets. But now, in these final days, God has spoken to us through, say the words, his son. Something radical is, has happened. There's a big change in the way God is speaking. God's never been silent, but something different has happened now. And, and what is it that draws the line between how God used to speak and how we hear his voice now? What draws the line? You say it. Jesus. The coming of Jesus, the coming of the Son, it's an altogether different thing when we hear God's word coming out of the mouth of God's Son. That's different. I, I said it earlier, I remind you that, that in Hebrews, that these people were absolutely fascinated with angels. Honestly, back in these days, many of the Jews had become very interested and they were beginning to write all kinds of documents and describe all different kinds of levels. There was a real interest in what I would call angelology. They just became fascinated with, with, with angels. Now, it continued to grow in Jewish tradition that when God revealed the law to Moses on the mountain, that, that angels were involved in that. And the Jews developed these, these great traditions, none of them biblical, but very famous and popular traditions about how important angels were. And honestly, angels got way too important in many of their minds. Now, now angels are, are real. I believe in angels. I think angels are, are cool. I mean, they're cool. But you can quote me when I say they ain't all that. Angels just really aren't all of that. And this is what the author of Hebrews has to say, that they're important, but you can't make too much out of angels. Now, the word angel simply means messenger. And throughout history, throughout salvation history, sometimes God did deliver his message through angels. Sometimes he just did. And they were messengers. The angel Gabriel brought the message to Mary that she would have a baby, for example. God sometimes sent messages through angels. But that's all they are. That's interesting because in our day and age, you can still get people pretty excited about angels. Some of you have angels in your living room. You love little angel figurines and, and angel license plates and angels' t-shirts and necklaces and earrings. And it's all okay. I, I'm not saying any of that is wrong. I'm just saying I think it's somehow easier for certain people to deal with angels than to have to deal with Christ. Even at Christmas time, you don't offend anybody with angels. Nobody's ever gotten upset about an angel hanging at the courthouse. Angels don't offend. They simply don't offend. People can be vaguely spiritual and talk about angels, write books, read books, have movies about angels. Those don't threaten anybody. And this is part of the point that's being made here. There's a, 
a qualitative difference between the message delivered through angels and prophets and the message that would be delivered from God's Son. Notice what the author says. The the name that God has given the Son is far greater, so much greater than the name given to any prophet or or, or any angel. I was talking to a guy this week who's a non-Christian. He's actually Muslim. And we were talking about Christmas. And he said to me, he said, I understand Christmas. Christmas is the celebration of the birthday of your prophet. Well... No. You understand? Jesus is not our prophet. It's a different name. It's a different title. It's a different function. Jesus is not just a prophet, just a man like other men that somehow God speaks to and through. Jesus is not our prophet. The name given to him is greater than the name given to any other. Jesus is God's son. And even to say that doesn't necessarily make it all that simple to explain the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Because as you read through the scripture that the preacher in Hebrews quotes, it's very, very clear that Jesus is not God's son in the way that I am Don Harris's son or, or the way that Wade is, is, is my son. It, it, It's using a word, but the word itself really almost doesn't bear the the gravity of of the meaning. It's a description of relationship, but it'll only take you so far. What you've got to understand is that that title, son, actually conveys an equality with God. God the Father, God the Son, we're still talking about one God. At Christmas, it's not just that God sent a prophet to to speak his message to people. It's not simply that God sent his son, this baby in the manger. You've got to understand that what God was going to communicate to the world could not be fully communicated through a prophet or an angel or, or anyone else. This is a message, this is a revelation that could only be communicated for God to come down and speak to us face to face. And this is what happens at Christmas. God steps down. God comes down. And in this baby in the manger, you've got to understand, God begins to communicate directly with us. God comes down. He becomes one of us. He walks among us, and he begins to communicate face to face with us. Look at verse 3 with me just a moment. We're talking about Jesus here. Notice a few things that it says in verse 3. The sun radiates God's own glory. Now stop right there. These are huge phrases talking about who Jesus is. Yes, we're talking about the baby in the manger, but you've got to understand who this baby is. This baby radiates God's own glory. Radiates. It's a word that would be used of a very powerful, a brilliant source of light. Let's think about the sun in space. 
The, the sun is far away from us, but its rays reach us with light and warmth. And this is what the scripture says that, that Jesus does. He is like the, the rays of God in his brilliance, in his radiance, in his holiness. We don't see God the Father in that way, but God the Son, Jesus, comes to us like the rays from the source, bringing us light and, and warmth and life. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. The word that the preacher uses there is a word for, for stamp. Not like a stamp like you lick and put on an envelope. It's more like a stamp, like, like a signet ring. Like a king back in these days would have a ring with his initial on it. And if you wanted to send a message and everybody would know that it was from him, he would take that ring and a little puddle of, of, of wax, melted wax, he would press that ring into that wax and leave his image, leave his stamp. And everybody would know that the message was authentic. That's the word that's used here in Scripture to talk about who Jesus is. He is the very stamp of the essence of God. In other words, when you see Jesus, you're seeing something of the essence of God, the fullness of God. You're beginning to understand who God is when you see Jesus, the very stamp of the essence of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. He sustains everything. The Greek word for everything there, it means everything. Do you understand? Everything. The power behind everything in the universe is Christ's power. He is the creator. All things were made through him, scripture says. The greatest power in the universe, it, it all comes from Christ. His power is the power of everything. When he had purified us from our sins, when he cleansed us from our sins, this is what he came to do. This is the great religious quest of all time. I don't care who you are, how you were raised, what, what religion you've known, what part of the world you call home. This is the great religious quest. What do we do about our sins? If you're a Hindu, then the answer is your sins follow you. It's called karma. And you continue to live life. You continue to come back in different incarnations. And every time you're born, your sin continues to follow you. You pay for it. You pass life sins in future lives. You understand? That's the Hindu answer. You just continue to drag your sin along in different incarnations. You see, the problem is still sin. If you're Buddhist, then the issue related to sins has to do with the lack of enlightenment. And so therefore, the, the idea is through enlightenment, somehow, eventually, you can dissolve into everything, dissolve into the essence. You can somehow abandon the flesh in the world through enlightenment, but, but no one ever fully attains that enlightenment. Do you understand? No matter what religion, no matter what person you're talking about, the problem is still sin. And this is what the gospel proclaims. That this one is the very son of God. God coming down, not just to, to bring a message to us, but to take care of the human problem. The one thing we can never do for ourselves. This is the one who comes down as the answer to all of our sins. He is the one who will take our sins away. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. 
He sat down. When do people sit down? He sat down because he was tired. All that being born in Bethlehem, just wear you out. Shepherds and magi walking around. He, when he got back to heaven, he's just dog tired. Sat down. No, what's it mean when it says he sat down? He's finished. It's completed. What he came to do, he completed. Notice it says he has purified us from our sins. It's not something that, that, that is happening as we continue to work our way through. No, this is something Jesus completed for us. And then he sat down. Where did he sit down? The right hand of God's majesty. Absolutely. Do you understand? He, he went back to his place at the very throne of God. We're talking about God here. God came down, did for us what we could never do. And now he's returned to the Father. This is who Jesus is. God's never been silent, but now, since we have seen his son, since we have beheld his glory and, and his truth, notice what the author says. Therefore, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. He makes this great case for how much superior Jesus is to all of the prophets and all of the angels. And then he says, if this is the one speaking, you've got to be very, very careful now to listen. And the way he says it, it's not just that you should listen once. It's not as if you can go to church when you're a kid and go to Sunday school through about, you know, junior high or something. And then you can figure you've learned it all, you've heard it all. You'll never reach a point where, where you can stop listening to the voice of God through Jesus. You must never stop listening. That word drift, it, it suggests in our lives it, it's sort of like a river, like we're on water. Like if you're at the ocean on a float and, and you know that if you don't pay attention that you'll drift away and, and get into trouble. It's that picture. That somehow, even as believers, even as, as, as people who've been transformed and, and, and completely captured with the gospel, the good news that comes to us through Christ, even those of us, if we don't continue to heed and focus on Christ with our lives, if we don't continue to listen to that voice of God coming to us through Jesus, if we don't focus, if we don't continue to listen, we will drift. We will drift away, the scripture says. I guess the question I want you to think about today is, what is it that, that pulls you away? What makes us drift? Honestly, for some of us, it's, it's just apathy. We don't care. I know some of you here at church on Christmas because, because your grandma, you know, would, would just, you know, die if you didn't come. And I appreciate that you're here, but, but it's kind of obvious that you don't care. I just want to suggest to you that, that that apathy in your heart is a really bad sign for you spiritually. The, the fact that, that these things have no value for you, it, it says something important about you. And I just encourage you to, to do some soul searching, to, to try to figure out if these things aren't important, what do you think is? Because that apathy just has this tendency to, to draw us away, just to draw us away. Sometimes it's, it's just the, 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 the countercurrents of the world. There are just so many things that continue to pull us away. If you've ever been on a float in the ocean and, and they talk about the undertow, it's not the waves on top. You can see those. It's what's happening underneath it that's pulling you away in, in ways that you don't even understand until you're too far away to 
make your way back. And the world is like that. Whether it's, it's your preoccupation with work or your preoccupation with, with, with shopping and money and greed. If it's your preoccupation with your electronic gadgets. If it's your preoccupation with relationships. I, I don't know. There are infinite number of things that just create an undertow that continue to pull us further and further away from listening to, to God's voice. You, you can't let that happen, the author of Hebrews says. We're talking about God speaking to you. You have to listen to that. So a pastor named Erwin McManus, I, I, like, I like Erwin. He tells a story about his son, and he was trying to raise his son to be a godly man. I want to do that too. When his son was four, five, or six, his son became very interested in, in the whole idea of God speaking. And he would say, Daddy, uh, what does God's voice sound like? And Erwin would say, son, you're going to grow to understand and hear God's voice. Just listen and, and, and pray that you'll hear it and always listen for God's voice. And the boy would always ask, Daddy, what's, what's God's voice sound like? Well, when will I start hearing it? I don't know if I'm hearing it yet. And Erwin would just continue to say, son, you just stay in the Bible. You read your Bible. You continue to pray and listen, and soon you'll learn to recognize God's voice. And, and sort of years were going on there, and the son continued to ask turned out the son was in junior high, and he went to church camp, first time really away from his parents. Erwin, of course, is pastor, so he went to visit the camp one day, and it turned out that's the very day they were going to call him anyway, because his son, the preacher's son, got in a big fight at camp, big fight, big fight. He, he uh, was about to attack another boy, and the other kids from the church had to hold, we're talking about the preacher's son, had to hold the preacher's son off, that this kid was so angry and so bitter and, and ready to just punch the life out of this other kid. They were about to send him home because he wouldn't apologize. He was completely unrepentant and angry. So Erwin got there, and he took his son to the back, and he said, son, tell me what happened. And the son told him the story. He said, I, Dad, I just, I just want to punch him. I just want to punch him. And Erwin said, son, you, you, you just can't do that. Do you understand what's happening here? He said, yes, Dad, I understand, but I just want to go home. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to apologize. I hate him. So Erwin said, well, well son, let's stop for just a minute. Is there is there anything inside of you that tells you something different? Is there anything inside of you right now that, that says something other than just go home and, and be angry? The son said, yes, Dad. There, there is a voice inside of me that says I should apologize and I should make this right and I should try to stay at camp. Erwin said, son, do you have any idea whose voice that is? The son says straight out, yes, Dad, I, I know that's God's voice. That's God's voice. But I don't care. I don't care if it is God's voice, he said. Even if it is God's voice, I'm not doing that. So Erwin said, son, I suppose that's a choice that you will make. But I want to tell you something. That voice, it probably is God's voice. And you can choose not to listen to it today. But let me tell you what happens when you don't listen like that. You don't listen to it today, and, and so tomorrow you're not going to listen to it either. And what happens, son, is that your heart gets very, very hard and calloused. And eventually you really don't even hear that voice anymore. 
And then one day you will be that guy who's out there saying, God never speaks, God never speaks. And you'll deny that you've ever heard God's voice in your whole life. Son, do you understand that to hear that voice at this moment in your life is a gift. It's a treasure. Son, I beg you with all my heart not to ignore that voice. Friends, I beg you with all my heart not to ignore his voice. God is never silent. And he's not silent with you. He speaks. He speaks. I can't exactly explain why it is in, in your life sometimes you feel like you don't hear. But my, my hunch is... It is not that God isn't speaking, it's that you don't listen. You've forgotten how to listen, or you've spent so much time ignoring what he says that now you're ready to deny that he ever speaks. I just want to beg you to listen. When God wanted to reveal himself to the world, he did not send another prophet. He did not send an angel, or even a host of angels, when God needed to reveal his love to you and to me, he came down face to face. This is who Jesus is. This is what happened at Christmas. And ever since Christmas, the experience of listening for God is very different. Ever since Christmas, the experience of, of, of trying to see God's face is different. Because now, when you want to see God's face, you look at the face of Jesus. When you want to find God, you run to Christ. And when you want to hear God's voice, you open your heart to his son. The message today is so much more than Merry Christmas. The message today couldn't really even be put into words. That's why God's word became flesh, dwelt among us. Therefore, listen carefully when he speaks don't ever let yourself drift away from his voice. Pray with me. God, I pray that before the final carol is sung and we make our way to our cars, I pray that you will speak to every heart in this house. I pray, Lord, for the young person who stopped listening a long time ago. I pray for the old person who stopped listening 
a long time ago. I pray for the one right now who hears your voice but refuses to obey what you're asking them to do. I pray for the one, Lord, who wants to just listen to parts of what you say but not everything that you say. I pray for the one who wants to think about a God but doesn't want to think about Christ. I pray for the one, Lord, in this house who is young and still growing and learning to listen, Lord. I pray that before we walk out, we will all hear your voice and see your face in the face of Jesus, your son. God, I do thank you for this day, this blessed day of celebration. We of all people have everything to celebrate for you have come to us. You have spoken to us finally and ultimately and face to face. And Lord, we can never stop giving you praise for this. I simply ask, Lord, that in the final moments of this service, we will all commit ourselves to listening, listening to Christ and focusing on Christ, Lord, and not just passing by the manger once a year to pay homage, Lord, but truly, wholeheartedly, every day of our lives to run to Christ and hear the voice of God. Help us to run today, Lord, run to you and to listen, and to never turn away. We pray these things in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.